just decided to enter the minds of two dudes who love the outdoors and live an active lifestyle. Join us as we share anything from hiking and hunting to strength training and general fitness and all the in-between. Laugh, learn, help. Live a little through us. Welcome to the Active Man Podcast. I think we're recording, sir. I think we're good to go. We don't have our traditional introductions anymore. You're just going to add that in. I'll, I'll have to, yes. Unless you would like to do your own. I mean, have you been watching The Last Dance? You could do your own NBA intro. Boom, boom, I got boom. one episode through. I'm re- currently just flying through Breaking Bad right now. So You're focused on one thing. Focus on one thing. Corona will Corona will do that to you. Corona will do that to you. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. It's good to be back. It's, it's good to be back again. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. Feels like it's been forever, and I can't see you now. Oh, no. Whoops. We'll get better as it gets going. All right. You know, we're just, listen, the, the, the rudder is rusty a little bit. We're just yeah. working, through, working through it. Two guys talking. Working through it, chit-chatting. That's chit-chatting. Right. right. That's so, right. So the last time I saw you was prior to your move. And That's you right. now have relocated to Old Virginia. Yes. I'm in, uh, I'm in Virginia. I'm in the uh, DMV area. I, uh, work for one of the local municipalities here on water quality stuff. So it's pretty similar to what I was doing in Pennsylvania, uh, except not uh, coal mine related. It's more just stormwater and uh, handling uh, stormwater quality and quantity type stuff. So Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. Fair enough. Do Enjoy you fit? my uh, outside activities and uh, <clears throat> doing hiking and uh, – being outside basically as much as I can, um, obviously with the COVID situation, it's a little bit more difficult, but we're pretty lucky. Uh, girlfriend's parents that live out in uh, Western Virginia, and they uh, live just north of the George Washington National Forest. So oh, nice. that was never closed. Um, so we had, you know, ample time and, and, uh, opportunities to get out there and just be outside, which is great because uh, I know that a lot of folks can't really can't work out in the gym right now. Yeah, can't. I was going to say since you've been down there, do you find yourself hiking a lot more since you're like right there in the in the heart of uh, the delightful territory and terrain that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, where I live in the I, I live. Um, right outside DC. So I still get that metropolitan area feel, but it's really far for folks who are in the Northern Virginia region. It's not far. It's a lot like living just outside Philadelphia and you just go up 476. It doesn't take long to get into the sticks. So Mm -hmm. yeah, man, there's a lot of good opportunities, um, especially like where I'm living now for fishing. Um, 
kind of down near the uh, on the Potomac and Chesapeake Bay. But um, yeah, as we continue to do more of these, I'll keep you guys updated on uh, ventures and stuff like that. Because uh, nice, definitely going to be more. What are you doing more of now that you're down south that you weren't doing up north here? I'm actually doing a lot more hiking, just in general. Right. Yeah, uh, and there's no real. I don't think there's a really good reason for it, other than uh, it kind of was, a, you know, just moving. If you do something like move a different state, your routines are totally broken, and so you kind of, at least, I would try and fall back on stuff like fitness and being outside. Like you fall back on the stuff that you've always done, so it yeah. kind of sets you back up. Uh, and early on when I was living by myself, you know, before my, my girlfriend had moved in and got a job in DC, um, <clears throat> I didn't even have a couch in here. I didn't have like anything in this apartment cause I really wasn't here. I was outside. Yeah. Uh, and that was great. I mean, we had a really nice fall here. Uh, and there was just it was just, there was a lot of opportunity for me to go out and explore, uh, whether that was like Shenandoah national park or the, or the national forest systems, uh, a little bit further to the West. <clears throat> so yeah, man, I mean, I, I would say that I've definitely done more hiking, uh, here in Virginia than I have in Pennsylvania, um, just on a weekend to weekend basis. And maybe, recently i'm not maybe definitely that's coronavirus related otherwise I, I might be around doing stuff in the metro area or trying to lift weights or trying to do stuff like that man but i mean tough times for everybody tough times for everybody so but yeah i think um <clears throat> the, the the hiking has been the thing that i've done the most um has been the the biggest change in terms of Virginia to, to from Pennsylvania to Virginia. Uh-huh. So um, I heard you did a little turkey hunt. I mean, if you want to call it that, I've, I've basically become a, uh, you know, we'll say I'm turkey hunting, but really um, I basically just take my bow for a walk, sit in the blind and drink coffee and, and enjoy <laughs> enjoy nature it's delightful out there you know and it's not by choice it's just i fail as a turkey hunter regularly i saw that you uh you had a little i was following your, <laughs> i was following your insta story and i saw that you had a uh, a pretty good video of some hens and maybe like a, a jake or two i couldn't tell that that hen was uh literally like right in our freaking hip pocket we, we had a live decoy you know, with her around hoping that she would bring a Tom over. But I, I <clears throat> jokingly say this, but it's true. I, I do have a turkey hunting jinx uh, against me and I'm not sure how to end it. Yeah. Um, like there's been days where I'd say, I mean, this year, obviously because of the, the virus, I've hunted more for Turkey this year than I probably have the 10, 10 years that I've been hunting, you know, prior to this. Um, so it's not for lack of time getting out. Um, they're around, there's been two days maybe that we didn't hear any, um, and we've had success calling and them responding, but it's like, 
every time we get them within a hundred yards, they just go into complete ninja mode and then nothing. Right. And uh, just have not had any luck, you know, of getting them out <clears throat> into the fields. It's they're, they're usually staying into the, into the wooded areas or have been so far, at least you're assuming from, from what you can hear. Um, but yeah, man, have had zero, zero luck. Man. Freaking jinxed. Whatever. It's still good to get out, though. I mean, I can't complain. Uh, right. You know, definitely taking advantage of not working and enjoying, you know, the opportunity to get outside and and hunt a lot more than what I would normally. Because usually right. right now is during baseball season. So the only time I can hunt is Saturday morning for, you know, two, three hours. And then we usually have practice. Uh, so now I've gone out two, three, four, sometimes five times a week, you know, for five, six hours a day. Damn. <laughs> All that time and no success. And you've been seeing birds though. Well, we haven't seen any like while sitting in the blind. Like, for example, the other day, this would have been Thursday, Thursday. The property that I'm hunting. <coughs> they have uh, like the main road kind of splits uh, between both sides of the property kind of runs right down through. So there's fields on each side and there's kind of, there's four, four separate fields and then another piece off to the um, like the Western side. And it's like, whenever we sit on, you know, this corner here, we don't see any, we can hear them. We can't get them close enough. We leave, we walk right. back to the trucks. And as we're walking back to the trucks, they're in this field over here or this field back here. It's, it's like, I just can't seem to, wherever I pick to go, they're in the opposite. Yeah. So where do you, where do you put turkey hunting versus, um, versus deer versus, you know, what, where do you, where, where do you have turkeys? on your list in terms of excitement about the season? I mean, you know, whitetail is definitely, you know, number one for me just because I've had at least some success right. there. Uh, but turkey hunting, like in the morning, when, when you start hearing them gobble, especially if they're <coughs> fairly close, man, it, that just, it gets my freaking blood pumping. It's, it's just a cool, you know, it's a cool sound to hear, especially in the morning. Like you start hearing the crows or the, the owl, and then I'm not even going to try to do this. Oh yeah. Well, you know, like the, the gobble sound and you're like, Oh shit, there's freaking morning, you know, 50 yards behind me. Where's he going to fly out to it? You know, it just, it's cool. Cause there's been a couple of times where we've sat in a patch of woods, uh, right next to an adjoining field and we'd be surrounded by them. Yeah. But yeah. after the first hour of them, uh, answering the calls back and forth and then go silent, it's like, what the hell did we do? You know, that they're, right. they're just right. go silent and avoid us. I don't know. I mean, it's, I just can't figure them out, man. And it, they're very frustrating. Um, but I know a lot of people really love, you know, turkey hunting. It's, it's probably, number one for most right I would say most people but i mean there's a lot of people that enjoy that more than uh than whitetail but you know i i was listening to it was one of steve Rennell's podcasts 
and he's always, you know, he's big on, on conservation and game management. Um, and what was really interesting that I heard about turkeys was that they, when, uh, basically American settlers had arrived to the United States, um, there were turkeys in like, I forget what he said. It was like 13, 14 States. And today there are turkeys in almost all 50 States. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the successful management of turkeys and as a, just as a game species has been really one of those cool examples of, um, managing populations for the benefit of people. Yeah. And I think that, that is really cool because, you know, I've never hunted turkeys. I've never hunted deer. So like, this is when I talk to you about this kind of stuff, to me, when I think about hunting a turkey, I feel like, and this is probably just because of the size of the bird, I feel like it might be a better thing for maybe a first-time hunter to get into as opposed to hunting whitetail or whatever the, the endemic species of deer around you are. I think it depends. I mean, there's definitely more of a skill unless you're going as somebody who can call properly and knows when and when not to and how much um, because they will, uh, you know, read off of that. Um, And if you have somebody that's really good, they know just the amount of how much to call, how to mimic the sounds correctly. Um, Plus that, you know, they, they can kind of guide you, you know, with, if you're using a shotgun and you're not sitting in a blind, I mean, there's guys that will do run and gun where, you know, they'll park the truck, they'll wait, listen, and then formulate a plan and kind of sneak into where they want to go from there. Yeah. Uh, But if it's like, for me, if I didn't have somebody with me in the beginning, when I started, I would have had no freaking clue what to do. I mean, you know, obviously would have researched it a little bit more, Right. right. but you know, time in the woods defeats research. Sure. <laughs> you know, years in the woods definitely sure. research uh, nine out of ten times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess it just depends on location and and you know if you have somebody that's that's very good um, that you would start with. If you're starting from scratch by yourself and you have no guidance whatsoever, I would think that you probably would be able to have better success with whitetail than Turkey. That's just yeah. thinking. Yeah. 100% sure. I mean, again, a lot of it's going to depend on location and, and what, what's around you. I mean, you could be at a place where, you know, it's a farm where there's turkeys galore, but you know, their whitetail numbers might be down and, you know, it just depends. Right. On- Depends on that stuff too, but yeah, that's true. So I think all things considered, turkey hunting is not easy. For me, it hasn't been. I mean, right. but you know, then you talk to some of the guys around here that they'll get. You know, you know, probably your buddies that shoot one the first day every freaking year, and you're like, are they good or do they just go to places that you know there's a freaking plethora of birds? Right. Right. Um, right. You know, it's just, 
you know, good, good turkey hunters are going to be successful all the time. But then there's guys where, you know, who are really good that may go to a place that's, you know, less populated with birds and they still have success. And then there's guys who go to places that are very populated with birds and they might suck, but they just kind of get lucky too. You know, it's kind of up and down there, but man, that's interesting. I think one of the coolest things about turkeys is that they can see color. It's great. Their vision. So if you're a hunter. It's like, that's like, cause you know, you, when you're hunting white tail, you got to wear orange. You got to, you know, fulfill the, the requirements of, uh, you know, the hunter safety course and making sure that you're not, you know, shooting somebody else. But with turkeys, I feel like, a little bit cooler for the hunter because you know you get to kind of like you've really got to try and blend in <laughs> either be in a blind or like in a tree or something like that like even, i think about it like get a little more recon yeah even for archery you don't have to wear orange which is nice so okay that's uh, cool. kind of the same the same thing but turkeys definitely can see better or I guess visually can tell if something's not right a little bit better than a white tail can. I mean, I think right. white tail see. I should. Deer have notorious sure, but like, oh, I mean, they've got to have. They, like, they probably react more on movement, and, right? Uh, uh, whereas a a turkey, ha- I think, has a better eye, um, but they might be a little bit dumber. Right. Uh, I I don't want to say the wrong thing there, you know. Right. And that's like, that's a good question too. The other thing is turkeys are descendants of dinosaurs, my friend. There's got to be something there. There's a little, they might, you might be right. They might be dumber, but they're more instinctual. Yeah. Well, they are. They're a pterodactyl's third cousin. So, you know, you got to expect that. They know their shit. Dude, one of my favorite things to see, and I would see all the time out in Pennsylvania doing water quality sampling, out in like uh, uh, Sullivan County and some of the northern tier counties where you just get a lot of birds and a lot of open space. Up in God's country there. Up in God's country. (laughs) The turkey prince. I love seeing a good set of turkey prints in the snow. It, it is pretty cool, isn't it? It's like a, it's like you're following a dinosaur. <laughs> it's and true. You can see their hooks sticking in the ground there too, like depending yeah. on how, how high the snow is. Yeah, it does look pretty cool. <clears throat> Always been a fan. Always been a fan. I'll be more of a fan when I start having success. For now, yeah. I hate. I freaking hate them. <laughs> But yeah, hopefully, hopefully one of these years I'll be able to break the curse. You've never killed a turkey. I had one close encounter and it was my very first year. The very first time I went by myself. Um, it's a short story. Um, I would hunt with my brother-in-law. He's kind of the one that got me, got me started. And uh, he works at the, the prison there in Lewisburg, the big house over to the big oh, house. Yeah. He get he gets called in. Uh, I think one of the guards got sick or so, something happened where he had to go in unexpectedly on a day that we were going to hunt uh, in the afternoon. 
So I'm like, oh, you know, I'll be all right. You, we left the blinds set up from like the Saturday before and the chairs and stuff were in there. And I just got mm-hmm. a call, uh, a little box call. And so I'm like, all right, you know, whatever, I got this. I, I kind of learned from watching what he did. Um, so I go in and sit down and I have my bow laying on the ground in front of me and my binoculars, you know, <clears throat> on and I'm, I'm leaning forward in my, in my chair, you know, using the call like this and where I'm sitting, I'm sitting on a field edge, uh, with woods behind me and the field runs uh, about 200 yards, uh, out in front of me. So I'm sitting there calling. <laughs> Finally, I see movement and I'm like, Holy shit freaking worked. Like, I mean, they're 200 yards away, so I didn't call them in, but I see these, these turkeys walking across and I, I just get, you know, give a little bit of like cutting with the, the, the call. And the last one in, in line kind of turns and starts walking directly towards me. So I'm like, Holy shit, this might happen. And, and again, it's the first time I'm out by myself. So I'm still sitting there and I'm, I'm, basically you know poised in this position and you don't want to move because again they can kind of pick up movement um even if it's if you're not completely well concealed in the blind like in the tree line and I wasn't because I set it up fairly quick so I'm sitting there and I'm like okay as soon as he turns his head I'll grab my bow put it on my lap knock an arrow and then I'll be ready to roll and then once he gets to the decoy that's when I'm going to draw so I'm still sitting in this position and, and he's coming towards me. He doesn't turn, doesn't stop, doesn't, you know, eat off the ground. He's just casually strolling straight towards me. And I'm like, okay, he's got to, he's got to turn at some point. Like at this point I'm leaning forward. My low back is getting tired. I'm like, Jesus, like, come on, man. Like you turn, eat something off the ground yeah. or something, you know? No, he comes straight in the whole way without ever turning his head. So I couldn't move. Now at this point, he's about 30 yards away. And I'm like, my only chance is when he gets you familiar with how the blind looks, you know, if you're sitting inside and looking out of it. So I have the big window here in front of me and then strip a strip here and then little corner windows, but there's a small panel in between. Sure. Like as soon as he gets in front of that panel, I'm going to have to pick up my bow off the ground, knock an arrow quick, pull back. And then let it fly all right away without him, you know, detecting the move, the, the movement. Sure enough, he does exactly what I think he's going to do. He just kind of casually strolls over. So I'm like, shit, it's go time. So I pick up my bow, knock an arrow. As soon as I picked up my bow, gone. he could sense, you know, something wasn't right. So he starts like scurrying away, not flying, but like, you know, trotting faster. So I still pull back. And I'm trying to lead him like a clay pigeon, you know, with a shotgun. Shoot it. I see feathers go up and I'm like, no, I didn't. Well, after I saw feathers go up, then I see that son of a bitch fly directly over top of me. I'm like, wait a, wait a second. Like, what? I just shot him. And then I saw him freaking fly over my head. How is that possible? So what did, what, did was he just losing plumage as he flew away? No. Uh, so... I text Mike, my brother-in-law, I'm like, dude, I just freaking smoked a turkey, but I saw it fly over top of me. He's like, yeah, then you didn't get it. And I'm like, yes, I did. I saw feathers. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I get out of the, he's like, go, go look and see if you can find your arrow and see if it has blood, not obviously. So I get out and I can't find my arrow, but there's a pile of feathers like laying in the ground. No blood, just a pile of feathers. <clears throat> I had to leave to go to, we had a, a game that day. So I had to leave to get back to central for the game. He's like, I'll swing by, put a stick in the ground where you think you shot where your arrow should be. I'll find your arrow. And then I'll see if I can track the bird. <clears throat> so he, te- he texts me and he's like, I got good news. And bad news. I'm like, all right, shoot it to me straight, man. The good news is he's like, I found your arrow. I'm like, okay, well, he didn't say bloody, so that's not good. What's the bad news, Mike? He's like, well, you gave the turkey a haircut. You basically shaved the breast feathers off of the front of its chest. So I, I, when I shot, it basically just clipped feathers off of oh the Oh, my God, which is yeah. more impressive than actually shooting the bird. <laughs> Unfreaking believable, but that that was the only opportunity that I've ever had. You know, figures first year by myself, didn't know what the hell I was doing, um, wasn't prepared, shit lucky. You know, whereas now I semi know what I'm doing, semi, um, but still, still no success. I can't believe I freaking missed that turkey. That's probably why I'm in the jinx, actually. Still, question. Number one, this can be a short answer. Do you do you plan to have your daughter hunt? That's up to her. Uh, the, actually, both of them have expressed interest in going with me, but I think it's because their cousins go with my my brother in law. He'll take them once or twice and they'll sit in the blind. Um, so we'll start with that and see if you know. I mean, I think they think it would be fun, but the actual part of, you know, shooting an animal, right. it'd be tough to tell, you know, until later on for that, but. Right. Right. So I'm just say. thinking like, you're probably not going to get a bird until one of your kids shoots a huge bird. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the curse will be broken. Yeah. <laughs> probably. You're first born. So Zoe, so Zoe is the person that can break the curse. Yes. it's a good point. I better get her ass out in the blind here soon then. I'm just saying, maybe <laughs> plant the seed. Plant yeah. the seed now. Let it grow. Ask her her opinion about turkeys. It's like, what is your opinion? Would you, like, would you be sad if you saw one dead? Yeah, how do you feel about turkeys? Do they make right. you happy? Do they make you they sad? Make you, make you angry? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get her take this week and we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope they, I hope they both, they both want to hunt. I mean, he, he's going to be the tougher one to sit still and sit quiet. Cause he just can't do that right now. Like he definitely would need, you, you know, like something to keep him occupied otherwise. And even still he can't sit and just watch yeah. something, you know, for, yeah. for more than three minutes. So understood. But yeah, hopefully they both, <coughs> hopefully they both want to definitely want to get into it later on. If they don't, that's fine. You know, whatever, but it'd be awesome to, you know, a couple of my friends that have kids and they're interested and some of them are actually very successful. Um, do you know Nick Carnes? Do you remember Nick Carnes? Uh, yeah. Yes. 
Tricky Nikki, his his oldest daughter, Elise, is a freaking sniper. She shoots a massive buck every year. She shoots a gigantic turkey every year. I'm I'm not kidding. Like she is freaking good. Um I don't think she's had a non-successful year where she hasn't, you know, gotten at least both of those. She might have even gotten a bear in one of those years too. Um I hope my daughter is as good as she is. That would be amazing. Yeah, that's impressive. But yeah, he's done great with his because he's got four daughters. Um, I think the the oldest three have have gone out with him. Maybe it's the only the top two yet. But yeah, he's yeah. done a good job of getting them into it. And like I said, Bryn is a a freaking sniper and puts me to shame. As a What's it gonna when when uh, so when are you gonna go on a western hunt? It's a good question, man. I. <clears throat> I've wanted to for a while. Uh, financially, I haven't been able to pull it off. But my hope was that as I've been doing a lot more uh, uh, like the photography stuff on the side here and doing some filming, I had a couple weddings scheduled for this year that I was going to video. Now, three of them canceled because of uh, the Rona. Uh, yeah, but my plan was to bank half of you know, what I've, what I earned for those and stash away for, you know, like a Western hunt fund so that in another year or two, um, I could pull it off. So hopefully within two years or so, it'd be nice to be able to go film for somebody, right? Film, edit, make a video, and then be able to hunt while I'm there after I'm done working. But Right. We'll see. A little bit of work. <laughs> we'll see if that ever works out. Right. I mean, that, that'd be a good way to, to get out there first, just to, you know, just to get your feet wet a little bit. That is true. It yeah. is true. And I've and never done any spot and stock stuff either. So it's going to be all brand new to me. Right. You know, going right. out there, but. And that's the, and that's the thing that I was thinking about. That's kind of half the reason why I asked you about your kids, because you get your kids involved, then it turns into a vacation. You're on to something that I really like here. And uh, that's exactly what my brother-in-law did. Uh, or they went out to, his family went out to Montana. They drove. I'm trying to think of when it was. It was a couple of years ago. I think he hunted a couple of times while he was out there. Now, it wasn't like a hunting trip. Hey, family, come along you know, type thing. It was a, Hey, let's go out West while we're out there. I might hunt, you know, a couple of days, but it's yeah. been a couple of years. So I don't remember exactly the setup, but I think they were in either Wyoming or Montana is where they went. I think Montana. Yeah. I didn't talk to you about Montana yet. Have I Joe Montana? No, I went to Montana in August. You did. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah, me and Megan, we went to Montana. I camped at Yellowstone. And no we, shit. Dude, we stayed on a ranch outside Glacier. Dude, Montana is the cat's meow. I, all I want to do is go out there and take freaking pictures, man. Like, Dude, uh, I can't even tell you. So <clears throat> we, we flew into Spokane. This was, our, this was our plan. You fly into Spokane. We rented our, our truck because we were going to, we truck, we car camped uh, mm -hmm. at the places where we camped at. So we flew into Spokane, got our truck, 
drove across Eastern Washington, stayed in Northern Idaho, um, for a couple hours to like kind of stomp around, hang out, um, really just stop like at the incredible views. Like you said, like everything's so picturesque that, um, any, any turnoff we could stop at, we basically did. Yeah. Um, trying to navigate through some of the forest fires that were there at the time. Um, but dude, talk about an unreal expanse of land. Um, and Alaska was the same way, but the cool thing about Montana, uh, Idaho, Eastern Washington is that you still have connections. Like when you're uh, in Alaska, you're in Alaska. You know? Yeah. You're there. And like you see some of those backpacking trips and I, I'm sure that the, that the risk involved in doing backcountry stuff in Montana versus Alaska really isn't that different. Um, but just the the ability to to see, I mean, you can literally go from like Yellowstone to Glacier in like a day and a half, and just have it be two of the most like iconic places yeah. that you can possibly go to. Um, Yellowstone. What's like, been used for more camera wa- or uh, computer wallpapers? <laughs> Which, Dude, uh, freaking geyser in Yellowstone. <laughs> like that was the that was the one thing. Like Yellowstone is a really cool. I mean, the best, the easiest way to describe it, it's like a giant enclosed petting zoo. Like it really is. In the Lamar Valley, uh, and basically like in the middle of the park, the roadway takes you right across this. Plain, these plains of sage and uh, different types of brush that these huge, like huge herds of buffalo are feeding on. And, and we saw a good number when we were there, but um, I think in one, one afternoon, we saw like 12 different black bear. Really? Uh, yeah. Didn't see any grizzlies. Uh, we, Thank our God. time frame of being, yeah, I was bummed. I was so bummed. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> wanting to see it from afar. Yeah, just the man. I don't know. I can't even like people in the east. When you grow up in the east, and there's nothing wrong with it. I love Pennsylvania. I love Virginia. I love the East Coast, Mid Atlantic, Appalachian Mountains. But when you go out west, man, it really does feel like you're under a bigger sky. It just doesn't look real like everything that i've said see i'd love to go to um oregon i would love to hit up the coast there um the other spot would be um oh big sky yeah big sky i think is where they have yes they have archery challenge and big sky Um, yeah yeah and i've i mean that i would love to be able to go out shoot that didn't john just do that they, I think that's the one that he went to. I know he went to one of the total archery challenges. I'm pretty sure it was that one actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He went with Dudley, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to go out there, shoot that and then just take like a week and, uh, bounce around out there get some good footage and some pics and stuff. I mean, that'd be freaking awesome to do, but Dude. just going to make it happen. 
Dude, I know, man. And like, I mean, obviously with the financial aspect of it, that's, you know, that's, that's a non-negotiable. You gotta, you gotta get over that and, and mm-hmm. figure that one out. But as far as sowing the seeds for it, getting the kids involved in those outdoor activities and not just for you, I feel like just for anybody, like it's a good excuse for those dads out there that have to, you know, make that, uh, what is it? Is it a negotiation with the wife about where you're going for the summer vacation? We'll just say it would be a hell of a lot easier if both kids wanted to do that. And then mom would be like, well, since it's them that want to go, but yeah, if if your kids are pushing forward, it's harder to say no. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have to work on that. We'll talk to Zoe. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you have a chit chat with her, and you can you can start putting the foundation down. Yeah, you know right. at least the thought in her head a little bit. You know, but yeah, man. I mean, we went to we had a chance to go to the um, the National Historic bison range i believe that's what it was called and it was established in the 30s or the 40s when you know the population I mean, the populations were really down then um obviously over the course of the 20th century uh, bison herds were decimated to the point where you know almost didn't have it almost didn't have the animal at all in all their natural range and just learning about um, I mean, the, just the scale of some of these herds, um, and what these, the, some of the indigenous peoples of, of the area, like the Blackfoot Indians, um, they would do the Buffalo jumps and there were archeological evidence of those jumps being done on the same areas for thousands of years. And there was, uh, so, forget the name. I forget the name of the falls in Montana, but it was something like 30 feet, 30 feet of soil had evidence of bison being run off of cliffs. Jeez. I mean, it's thousands <clears throat> of years. It's just an incredible thing to learn about. Um, while you're out there and, you know, for you, you'd be hunting and doing this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, for, for me, it was, you know, going out, seeing the landscape, um, hiking as much as I can. I didn't get a chance to fish. I wish I did, um, next time for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but just thinking about the, the effort that's been made to, kind of rebound their numbers and the concert really on the, on the conservation side of things, it's freaking amazing. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff that you'd see in, in the museums that are associated with the parks, uh, you have early like 1900s photographs of people standing on like 40 foot mounds of skulls. And it's just an incredible thing, man. It's, it's crazy. Uh, They were telling a story about um, 
there was a there's an effort to if you were going to run or do a buffalo run or forget what the real term was called that you had to make sure that every single member of that herd went over the cliff because if you didn't that buffalo would actually or the bison would actually remember and they would avoid the, and if you left stragglers they would literally remember and they would not subject themselves to being put in that position so your life your chances of getting them uh to do that again would be like nothing and i'm, I'm butchering it but it's just you got to go out there and uh, read the stories and just like the the little infographics that are along with it because it's just it's incredible, man. It, it yeah. really uh, just a crazy landscape. I know. I got to get out there. It's hopefully hopefully within the next year or two. I think I can pull it off. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely should start looking into the most minimal spending way possible. Right. Which like kind of what you did where you're camped pretty much everywhere, you know, out of the truck. Right. Um, and you're not spending money on hotels and stuff like that, but exactly. We may have to speak further upon that, you know, and, and devise a plan possibly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you know what your budget is for a hunt. You know, you're pretty good. You've been hunting all your life. So you, you have a good idea of how much that would cost. And so a similar, what would be analogous to that for me would be like a snowboarding trip. Mm-hmm. I know how much it costs to haul my gear out, the plane ticket, the, the, the place to stay and food. With a summer trip like that Montana one where you can car camp and do the other things. I mean, it was really a big reduction versus what I would do in the winter. Um, Only because, like you said, you're able to kind of, I mean, one, I was cost sharing with my girlfriend, but we're also uh, cutting four nights, five nights by sleeping at a a campsite. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's, that was super, that was a super easy decision. It resulted in some sleepless nights with some rain, but you know, it's a part of the, it's a part of the thing. Parties know? happen, you know, right. Parties happen. I mean, I think it's, it's also like one of the nights, man, it was the first night we camped. We had gone from Missoula, which is like a Midwestern Montana, small city, um, down to, Yellowstone, because Yellowstone is basically southern Montana, southwestern Montana, and northwestern Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got about five miles on uh, BLM land right outside Yellowstone that we just literally we had a Toyota Tacoma just pulled up on this campsite. Literally nobody else around us right on the Yellowstone River. It was It was really nice. But around like midnight rolls around and we started getting like sideways rain. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the, I'm sleeping, trying to sleep in the back. And my girlfriend's asleep. And I'm like listening to the rain and like really still enjoying myself. Cause it's like 
one of the first couple of days that we're there and like you still got that the, the jitters and it's just like you know new place new experiences yeah, so it's it amazing it's amazing super exciting. um and like in the middle of the night i thought that i heard like something up against the tent and you know the way a dog sniffs in your ear like a yeah i would have thought it was a damn bear <laughs> Dude, that is what it sounded like, was the heavy things of, uh, of a dog. Yeah. And there are, wolves, there are wolves and coyotes in the area, but, yeah. you know, the first thing <laughs> on my mind is, like, we, had, we cooked steaks on this little fire out here not three hours ago. Like... Somebody was coming in to clean up. Somebody checking us <laughs> out, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, do I peep my head out and check? Like, should I do it? And at this time, like, I, I really didn't want to see. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to know, but I needed to. Yeah. So, like, unzip the little thing, like, pop my head out, and there was nothing out there. <laughs> it was nothing at all. And I was the, like... The noise had stopped? Dude, the noise had... Like, I don't want to say I was just like freaking out, but I'm pretty sure I was just. <laughs> Could have been a ghost yote. Could have yeah. been a ghost yote. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I think too. Oh. But, but yeah, man, it was just like such a cool experience. Such a cool experience. And it's um, for anybody who's grown up in the East. You just got to try it. You got to do it I, once. I have never camped like that ever. I mean, I've, uh, you know, growing up, we, we slept in a tent in my backyard for like a night, right. but I've never, I've never actually camped, you know, and stayed in the woods for days at a time. My brother-in-law does that quite a bit, but <clears throat> even does that once or twice up in the state forest, he'll go in camp get up hunt you know and do like a long weekend or an extended weekend but uh yeah i'm really excited about you know getting the chance to experience that you know and experience the area up there too um it's definitely top of my list of uh that getting an elk an elk hunt in out west i mean i might not be able to pull off both in one trip right right be great if i could right um but yeah, that's definitely top on one of my list of things to do. Oh yeah. Top on my list of things to do. And I think what you might be able to pull off too, regardless of whether the kids want to get involved or not, is just do a dry run. Like if it's four days, see if you can I mean, are you guys comfortable? I mean, obviously with the coronavirus who knows the next time we can comfortably get on an airplane. You know, <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of your prerogative, but there's, there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to do a four or five day trip to Montana and stay probably all four or five days, you know, in a place, probably about two grand. Is is it possible to pull off like a two or three day, or is that so, not enough time? 
So I don't want to get this story wrong, but I had a I have a buddy who <clears throat> I haven't I talked to his older brother about it, childhood friend. You know the Stewarts. Oh yeah, Josh. Is this about Josh. Sam? About Sam and Josh when they drove out to Colorado. To Elkhart. To Elkhart. And then drove back, you know, <laughs> like within like, I'm pretty sure like 48 hours. Yeah, it wasn't very long. I, I do remember bits and pieces of that story. But <laughs> and Josh told me bits and pieces of it years ago. And I I want to say that they were there for three days. Okay. Yeah, it was kind of like a, like a let's just go wing it, see what happens type deal. But and if you go for three days, and you haul ass out there, you know, in Black Betty, <laughs> dude, you could be doing like a you could it could be like a fifteen hundred, twelve hundred dollars. Most of it might be gas. Yeah. Would it be cheaper just to fly yeah. for like a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly back Monday morning type deal? I, uh, uh, dude, I think so. I think because what you can do with that deal, you'd be able to probably hook up with a cheaper car rental. Uh-huh. And so again, goes back to what you want to do. So we paid, I use some credit card points cause I have this, uh, one of my credit cards is a, uh, travel card for stuff like this. So I gained some points through previous flights, um, and basically got a week of a Toyota Tacoma for like $320, Wow, which is really cheap. It's yeah. really cheap. And that was like, <clears throat> That's pretty rare. If you don't have the points to save up for that, you're gonna probably gonna pay six hundred. So, you know, all that stuff you got to keep in mind. But, you know, you really just got to think about what is the goal of the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's to hunt, then you know, that's a different story. I think I would it, ha- I would have to do a short voyage first. Yeah, and not hunt just to get out there, get some, uh, get some pics, get some video and stuff. Uh, I think that would be way more affordable than trying to go out and hunt too at the same time. Cause I know like if, if you do, I think Montana is draw for out of state for elk. Um, I don't know if you can get, I'm sure you could probably get over the counter for, uh, like mule deer or something like that, but it's going to be a couple hundred dollars. Right. Um, even if you drew, you know, for the elk tag out there, you're, you're going to be paying a couple hundred dollars too. I don't know. I'd have to look into it cause I've never actually checked. Um, but it definitely would be a little bit more expensive to, to do that on top of uh, just a little, little travel excursion. So, yeah, man, I think I feel like if you did it, like just a little travel excursion, it would motivate you. Yeah. You got to spend a little money to make a little money. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I could even scout out some spots there, too, while I'm out there, you know. Right. Um, Yeah, I definitely. I got to go. 
Imagine what it would do to your Instagram credit too. Oh, dude. Be better than me uh, taking 52 pictures of me drinking coffee in my blind. (laughs) Or your cats. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, are they going to be mad at me if I stop taking pictures of them? That's a good point. Asking the tough questions. Yeah. Yeah, man. But I think it's just one of those things. I don't know. I've always been obsessed with, uh, always thinking about like, like Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. Like westward expand, like thinking about the mountain men, like of the 1800s. Yeah. Like the fur traders. That shit is nuts. It is. That is nuts. I'm reading this book called Undaunted Courage, and it's about, um, Meriwether Lewis and Thomas Jefferson and basically their, uh, how Thomas Jefferson oversaw Meriwether Lewis overseeing the whole uh, core of discovery and going out, uh, out West in 1803. Um, they were eating when they got to, um, when they arrived in South Dakota, they were going up to Missouri they were eating, according to Stephen Ambrose, the author who had cited Lewis's journals, they were eating eight pounds per person of elk a day. <laughs> a day. Because they couldn't, it was, I mean, it was such lean meat. Yeah. There was so little fat content, and they really had no grain source, you know, past a certain point past when basically when they had left uh, St. Louis, they wintered in St. Louis in the first winter, made it up to Missouri into South Dakota, started um, interacting with local indigenous tribes and stuff like that. But just the descriptions of Lewis's descriptions of the mountains and the landscape is exactly what it is like. And it's still like that. Yeah. And that's to me the coolest thing. Cause you get folks in outdoorsmen know, like you go out in 2020 in northeastern Pennsylvania or central Pennsylvania, it is not what it looked like a hundred years ago. Right. It's not what it looked like two hundred years ago. It's still beautiful and it's well managed because there was a point in Pennsylvania's history when, you know, we we're taking a lot of resources out of the, you know, just using a lot of resources. So we recognize that stuff had to be conserved and maintained and have done a good job of doing that. But to read about a landscape and then to go there and see it in its current form still is pretty freaking cool. It's pretty cool. And it's something that I just don't think that we, we can experience a whole lot of, at least on, on a big scale. I know like when Tom went out West the first time for the PCT um, and seeing like his pictures that he was putting up regularly uh, and even in his little videos, like it just, you know, when you look at it, it just doesn't look real. Right. Because it's so freaking beautiful. It's just crazy that it, that it actually looks like that in real life. Like you just think that, okay, that's doctored up a little bit, you know, but it's not like it literally is just absolutely amazing. But yeah, man, I, 
I can't, we can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, yeah we got to. <laughs> uh, you make me feel depressed. I have, but no anyway, way. That is a that's that's a long term thing. It is. It is. Definitely going to figure that one out. I do need to. I do need to. That's on my list of. It's on my to do list. I. You know what I should do? I should put like a little board. Uh, down in here somewhere, maybe next to Roberto in the corner, Roberto Clemente. Uh, I got I got him and Rod Woodson on it, uh, opposing sides for motivation. Maybe I'll put a little you know to do list next to one of them, and then I feel like I'll let. I don't want to let Liber- Roberto down. You know, no, nah, you can't. I got to follow through with it. Yeah, absolutely. Got to follow absolutely. through with it. I have a question for you, not hunting or uh, fantasy trip related. So obviously we're in the time of the Rona, the Rona virus right now. And it basically sucks every which way you look at it. Like it sucks because the gyms are closed. It sucks because people don't have jobs. It sucks because people are getting sick. What, what do you think for somebody who you're like, what, you know, we're both pretty active in the gym and, and the folks who listen to us, are pretty active in the gym. What's the best thing to do right now in terms of like apartment workouts or um, just trying to stay active without having the, that, I mean, it's like a void. I mean, if you're in the gym with any regularity, there's a pretty significant void in like your routine in your daily routine right there's a piece of our heart missing presently right and that's the gym um yeah man it's tough and and you know for somebody that enjoys going to the physical gym so much like it is so hard to replace that and you know so many people go for different reasons too um but you know the the best thing that you can do is is try to find something that you at least somewhat enjoy, whether it's, you know, working with the the dumbbell set that you have at your house in the basement, or if it's hiking and going off trail, doing some pull-ups on a, a tree branch, push-ups, you know, using a, a rock along your way, you know, to just kind of, you know, modify your, your plan. Uh, again, it's not the same, you know, and, and it's not going to replace it exactly because it's not the gym. Um, but it's hard because, you know, a lot of people don't have equipment at home or, you know, don't have somewhere where they can go, you know, and with the parks being shut down too, like, that's what I was doing. I was going to the, the local park, uh, down by the river here. And, uh, one of the kids that I train, Eric Zaleski, we would do a workout at the park, you know, three, four times a week. I have a kettlebell that we'd take with us too. And, you know, it was great. I, I like doing body weight stuff. I don't enjoy it as much as just doing my regular, you know, stuff in the gym where, you know, we're doing more barbell dumbbell work. Um, but at the same time, like you kind of have to, like for me, it's so hard because I look so forward to that part of my day. Right. 
but you got to, you definitely have to make a little mindset change and know that it's not going to be like this forever. You know, if you can only hang in there just a little bit longer and get through and, and really honestly, like doing anything is better than nothing. But if you can find something that you at least somewhat enjoy, um, there's so many good things that you can pull off of YouTube, honestly, like it's one of the best things ever now. Uh, Cause when I was younger, there wasn't a, a, you know, there was muscle and fitness and that was it. Like there was no, nothing on the internet that you could pull off and learn from and follow or do now, Jesus, you could take it right from your phone and hook up with, you know, Joe Schmo who does online workouts that will feed online workouts to you, you know, where you don't have to do any thinking. He'll send you all your body weight stuff with whatever equipment you have. Um, I've done that for a couple clients too. And, you know, it gives people an option where they can still kind of follow if they don't want to do the the thinking behind, you know, putting stuff together. And also, you know, you may have a lot of other options in your house that you don't know about. But if you work with somebody who's who's built programs like that, that, you know, say you have, uh, I don't know, I'm looking around down here to see if I have anything that would be useful. But <clears throat> you know, somebody who's written programs for at home type of stuff like that has used so many different things or come up with different ways to do things that you would never think about. So they'd be right. able to program for you, um, you know, a little bit better than you just trying to whip up the same, you know, push up squats, lunges, and those are fine. Uh, right. but I mean, like if you, if you need something, um, I don't know where I'm going with this and, and how I got here, but uh, I think I got off track a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I get the gist of what you're saying. I mean, like there are so many resources available, Tons. but Tons. I think at the same time too, like there are like obviously different folks have different goals in the gym. Yeah. But for the folks that, you know, really like the heavy resistance training where you're doing, you know, you're doing five sets of five rep squats. Like, yeah, like that is not an option right now. Yeah. Uh, you can't, it's, it's very hard to replace that style and you could still make things, you know, with less resistance hard, you know, right. and difficult like that. But again, if that's what you enjoy, it's going to be very hard to replace that, you know. Right. So finding another, you know, some, sometimes it's good to go through something like this because then it forces you to explore some other options and, and you know, maybe find some other things that you enjoy and you didn't think you would, you know. Right. right. And, you know, um, that's, that's a good point, too. I think that, like, it's just really – like a big thing for me personally and I, I, other people that I talk to too, it's, it's like, I'll talk to my brothers or somebody else that I know that goes to the gym a lot. And they'll be like, man, I am going to be such a bitch when I get back to you. <laughs> Everybody's saying that right now. Yeah, you know, and it's like, get over it. It's going to yeah. like, it, I'm probably going to put, you know, like 225 on the squat rack. <laughs> and do it. And it's going to feel like a bajillion pounds. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, because we're not doing those things, yes, it's not going to be as easy. Uh, but most of that stuff will come back fairly quickly. Right. Um, again, if you can just get it 
in, in your head and understand that, okay, yes, I haven't been doing those for the first two weeks. It's going to be a little work, you know, right. and, and it's, and it's not going to feel like butter, like it did yeah, before, exactly. you know? but um, you know, two weeks is really like not, you know, time-wise it's hardly any time. It's, it, right. it goes fast. It, you just have to keep the, that mindset that, you know, it's very, very minimal and temporary. Right. Um, and, and just focus on how good you're going to feel though. Once you get back in the gym and start doing that stuff that you really did enjoy before it's a little more, uh, uh, you know, especially if it's stuff you really like, like that, you know, you're, you're going to tend to get some more endorphins out of that too, because it's such an enjoyable thing, you know, um, that, that, that you're doing that will help. <clears throat> I lost your video. Oh, what is going on? Somebody's trying to call me. This is why I shouldn't have. Oh, my God. Somebody's trying to call me. These people. I've got to. I've got to. These people. I'm sorry. That was there ridiculous. <laughs> was it your mom? No, it was actually my girlfriend. So. <laughs> That's okay. I, it's almost freaking 1030. Should we, we, uh, we can, we can. Maybe we should wrap it up. We can, we can bring it in bring it in and get ready to park here. Okay. We did, we did have some questions cause I did put, uh, um, you know, a thing on Instagram for us too, to see if, if people wanted anything specific. Right. Um, let's see. There wasn't many. Uh, did you get any questions? I didn't. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't looked at our Instagram yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't been on there either. Um, I just did it on my personal page. I think one was, it might've been one of your brothers actually. And it was kind of along the lines of what we just talked about. Like, you know, what, what are we doing to get by, you know, not being able to go into the gym right now. Um, all right, let's see here. Garrett Andrews asked, what beard oil do you use? What beard Me? oil? Yeah. What beard oil do you use, Gabby? Dude, I've been using, uh, I'm just going to get it. I can't even describe <laughs> it. Is it a beard oil or is it a balm or uh It's an oil. It is an oil? <laughs> it's an oil. Cutler. Cutler High Farms. And it's conditioning beard oil. It's a proprietary blend. And okay. uh, Woodsman. Nine out of ten scientists would approve use of such beard oil. Yes. I put it I put it I could put a couple drops in my beard comb and then I comb you my beard. Comb it in. Well, let me ask you this. By using the oil when you're on your phone, when you remove the phone from your face, is there goo all over your screen? I don't talk to people over the phone unless it's over a webcam. So there so there's goo on your screen afterwards as well. Yeah. What I'm saying is my phone is a disgusting. It looks like it's been, <laughs> it's a it looks like it's been dunked in a, a grease fryer, in a fryer. Well, that is one of the reasons why I got away from the beard oil, actually. I used to use, um, I'm trying to remember the brand. It came in a similar thing. It was like a little dropper bottle like that with a red label. Um, it was like a lime, uh, lime minty, you know, smell to it. It was awesome. Um, I liked the way it felt, but 
anytime, like if you were, and I always do this. Yep. As soon as I do that, it'd be like, ah. And, and then I'd like wipe it all over my pants or my shirt or whatever. I just got sick of that. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm close to leaving this oil because I actually destroyed some clothes. Yeah, it can ruin some stuff. Yeah. And that's, then I moved on to uh, bombs, which I'm trying to – it might have been Maestro's. I think yes, it, Maestro's it must be that I went to. Yes, I think it, yeah, I think it was because of PJ. I tried some of their stuff. Same thing, super greasy – would just get all over the place. So I stopped that then too. Well, I found um, the brand is Cremo. It's got a white lid, uh, comes in like a, you know, a little bowl type container, maybe about that size, that deep. Um, and the, it's not a liquid. It kind of looks like, like vanilla yogurt almost. Oh, um, It's a scruff, it's like a beard and scruff cream or something like that. But you, you put it on and then you have a brush that comes with it and you brush it into your beard. And it basically just like moisturizes and then makes it real soft without having like a greasy residue or anything like that on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can comb it in. I just really – using the brush, uh, it's easier to kind of style – you know, what you got going on there too. Um, I have to see if I can find, I know, I, I mean, I don't have any right now cause I'm rocking stash city uh, and had finished my last, last container before I shaved, but that stuff, since I switched to that, that stuff has been absolutely awesome. And <clears throat> it, it's like, not only does it soften there, like, you know, if, when I get up in the morning at three thirty and eat breakfast, I haven't looked at myself yet, but I've eaten breakfast. I'm getting ready to go to work. I usually shower at night before. Um, so if I wake up and half of my beard is like matted up underneath my eye or like over my ear, you gotta fix that shit before you go to work. Right. So like, yeah. I'm like, man, I, I don't have time to get in the shower and wash this baby out that Cremo stuff, you put that in and you can kind of style it, you know, and get, get things back in order uh, a little bit better too. Whereas the oil, I didn't feel like I was able to do that either. Like it would just, it wouldn't allow me to style it either. Right. Right. But yeah, man, Cremo. Cremo is the the go-to for myself and it's not an oil it's it's a beard and scruff cream i think um let's see actually that might have been it for the uh i got a couple of these stupid ones where i think they're bots like tbev 13 what's up tap in you'll like my content with one of these no no i don't think so chief uh that was it for like serious questions. Um, some of the other ones. Like, hey, it's early. Some of my friends are idiots uh, and will say like, you know, ridiculous random stuff. Um, but overall, uh, I'm glad we're going to get this show back on the road, man. I'm, I'm Me excited too, about it and hopefully we can uh, get fairly consistent. You know, the hardest part, I think, before, too, other than the timing 
uh, yes. us trying to get together at the same time and, and do that was uh, coming up with ideas to chat about as well. So hopefully we'll have some more. Uh, oh, we, I guess content. we'll start bouncing. We'll start bouncing stuff back and forth. To your, girl, your girlfriend's calling you again. Yeah, she's calling me. We gotta cut this <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up, man. It was good talking to you. Um, I'm going to get this up hopefully tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we will try to do this again next week sometime. We'll try to all right, sir. orchestrate a day, all right? All right. Sounds good to me. All right, man. Good talking right. to you. We'll see you later. All right. Adios. AM2 out. <laughs> hey, get on our Instagram and see if it still exists, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I will do, I will do that. <laughs> After you talk to your girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, all that's right. a good point. All right. <laughs> see you, see buddy. You. Bye. <laughs>